Big, big game on Friday night for Aston Villa. An opportunity, a test for us to make the first leap to climbing to the Premier League title. Aston Villa have the opportunity on Friday night to go top of the Premier League. And for me, this is a big, big opportunity to test our minerals and to see what we are all about. If we can climb to the top, that will be the first challenge of winning the Premier League because it will not only open the eyes to football fans, but it will open the eyes to the wider audience of Aston Villa being top of the league. Yes, it might only be for a couple of hours, etc., until the next day, but that opportunity, taking that moment and seizing it when we possibly can, will show us so much about this current squad. And I think we should embrace it. I think the players should embrace it. I don't think there's a pressure on the players to do it. But I think it's there for us to do. We have to be sort of respectful of the opposition. We have to remain humble, but we have to seize the moment. We have to be ruthless. And I think this is a big, big moment for Aston Villa. And I can't wait for it. Up the Villa. If you are new, subscribe to the channel. Drop this video a like and get involved in the comment section down below. Justin. This is why we love this club. This is why we are football fans, to have that belief and this opportunity. We've got to take it, haven't we? Yeah, we've got to. Seize the days and it seize the moment. This is what they've been working for all season. This is what we've been praying for, you know, since I started following Villa. You know, these times, these moments, these games that, that are game-changing games. Um, and, and if we can go top... I do feel it's another mental barrier broken mm. down, isn't it? Yeah. That the team and the squad and the players can think, oh, actually, we're nearly halfway through the season and we're top of the Premier League. That's a huge thing to, to a moment of belief for the squad. And we've played everybody, haven't we? Barring, I think, Man United. So at that moment, when you sit top of the table after the game, hopefully tomorrow, Friday night, I think they can all sit there and think, this is on. This is on. We have got a chance here. So, huge, huge game. Huge, huge moment in the season. If we can grasp it and go top, then the belief that will hopefully continue to flow through everybody, fans and players and management and owners, it's it's going to be incredible. Incredible. It's going to be an incredible night to be under the lights of Villa. Yeah, it's a, it's a big moment and a big game. And, and, I'll, and I'll say why, is that I've said earlier on in the season that there will be wins, there will be moments that, that sort of make a team season as you go along. And though every good side, every team in the league will probably have those moments, whether you are at the bottom, you'll beat somebody that will give that team belief to go and, and try and survive. Or if you're going for Europe, you're going for the Premier League, there will be those moments and we've had those moments already, but you need more of those moments. So first moment, you could probably say beating Chelsea away. Next moment, you've beat Spurs away. So you've kept that away form going. You've beat a big team that are sort of at the top end of the league. That would then give us belief that make our away form better. Then the next obstacle was maintaining that home, home runner form, you know, 
can we beat or can we go unbeaten? Can we get something from City or Arsenal? We then go and beat both of those teams. The next obstacle that we've got in our way is can we go top of the league? Can we seize our chance to do so? And I imagine as the course of the season goes on, we'll have other moments later on where we could possibly maybe do it again or we could, if we need to win a big game to get into the third place or etc. We will look back on big moments with belief that we've been able to do it. And I think this is why, for me, this game's so big because... It's another moment that we've got to seize. And I'm just really excited for it. I'm, I'm excited to go to Villa Park again. I'm excited that it's Christmas. Uh, and it's just a really good time of year. Like, I love this time of year with, with football, with the family and, and et cetera. And I think it is, a, it is a good time of year. And, you know, the darts are on. We've got that day on Saturday where we've got sort of like Liverpool... Um, Arsenal, Liverpool, and we've got the boxing, and it's just a good time of year, isn't it? So, yeah, I, yeah. I think I can't wait on Saturday night to watch that game, and we are top of the league. But you know, that's me talking as a Villa fan. Unai will be, you know, making no two ways about this that their mentality is a hundred percent focused, and they're not thinking probably about that. They're thinking about Sheffield United on the pitch and, and that's where their mindset is one game at a time etc um so i imagine he's keeping them really grounded he will he will want a reaction from the players from sunday because yes we won the game but he didn't like what he saw at the end so he will want a, a performance from the players that's settled that's sort of switched on that's focused and he will want that from the players as well so i think we've got that to come so sheffield united up next at home, I've already done the opposition preview. He's not very confident at all. And I think they're a bit of a weird team, Sheffield United. Like, I'm a bit lost at, at what their mindset is of, of, of being in the Premier League. And, you know, this isn't being, I'm not trying to like slight them or anything, but. You know, I think they've got promoted last season. They had money problems and it was a blessing that they got promoted because had they not got promoted, then they would be in big trouble financially. To sell their best players and to then sack Heckingbottom, where, yeah, they've lost some big games. They've lost sort of like 8-0 or 9-0 to Newcastle. They're, they're not being great. But I don't get what the expectation was from hardly signing anybody to selling their best players, to selling Sanderberg to Burnley. I'm I'm just not sure on sort of the vibe and sort of the lack of intent and the lack of ambition to, to get in the Premier League. Because if you look at the Premier League at the minute and you see the table and you look at the championship and you see, you know, the top four in the championship, three of those teams got relegated. You then look at the Premier League table and the three teams that got promoted are in the bottom three. Then you look at the teams above that and they're pretty much the teams that, that got promoted and survived the season before. So I'm, I'm just not really sure why there wasn't a little bit more ambition from Sheffield United. What are your thoughts on them, Justin? Um, it's been a very hard season for them, hasn't it? I think that 
you know, it just proves, as we found when we got promoted not too far ago, that it's it's incredibly difficult, isn't it, to to, to stay up the season after um, they have had lots of problems, like you saying, off the pitch financially. They they got up probably. I'm not saying luckily because they did okay last season. I think Heckingbottom did a really good job with them. But when you come up into the Premier League, it's a different ball game, isn't it? I've watched, I still do watch lots of Championship football. Um, and the quality just isn't nowhere near as good as the Premier League, is it? And when you do come up, it's a massive, massive learning curve. And unless you have a USP, I suppose, unless you go in a bit like Luton have, I suppose, with with no no fear, just have just have a go. Let's see what happens. Let's have a positive attitude. Sheffield United, out of the three clubs that have come up, have probably had the least positive attitude on the pitch of all of them and, and I think they're suffering from that now. And yes, they've had a couple of a couple of pastings, which really doesn't help and the fans become very low very quickly. You, you know, you get into this mentality of you know, another game loss, another game loss, another game loss. Um and, and that transfers itself onto the pitch. So the whole place just drops, you know, you can sort of see the shoulders drop every week. So I think the manager change had to happen, um bringing Wilder back. I think was a good idea um, because of his connection to the club and what he's done for them before. They needed somebody that could grab the club and, and just lift it up and hopefully have a bit of a spark. It hasn't happened as of yet. Um, and they've just struggled all season, haven't they? And they do look, dare I say, doomed already. Uh, I, I just don't know where they, they, they're getting the wins from to stay up. So I, I think overall, I think it's going to be a season of just do their best, try not to get hammered too much, take the money and run back to the Championship, hopefully get their house back in order, off the pitch financially so they're not in any trouble of, of going you know down any further and then maybe have another go at it next season. Um, <clears throat> it's just very hard, isn't it? The Premier League is very unforgiving. Yeah, definitely. So we'll have a look at the Sheffield United style of play uh, now. So we'll go to the tactical pad. Uh, and here you can see this is Sheffield United's formation and personnel that started the game against Chelsea. Um, interestingly, they've been switching between a back five and a back four. Last game, they went with a back four, which tends to turn into back six slash seven um and what we can see is that in essence it's a four five one but what when they like to press they will press with a four four two so it will be a four four two press uh when they don't have the ball so they're trying to get archer and mcburney pressing without the ball they will then drop into this four five one the back four will then switch into a very narrow back four. So against Chelsea, the back four was sort of spanning across the width of the 18-yard box. So it was very, very narrow. And, and then Archer would drop into that role. And then you would see McAtee going into there. And then that would be their formation, you know, a 6-3-1. Uh, that would be their formation when they are heavily, heavily defending the problem with Sheffield United is getting the ball sticking further up the football pitch. We've seen McBurney really, really isolated and Cameron Archer isolated. When they beat Brentford at home, their, their, their style was, was was okay, really. Um, they were What Burnley did was they pinned two centre-halves and left two centre-halves against their two players, which was... 
you know, a little bit of sort of like tactical suicide leaving it sort of like a 2v2. You'll remember me showing you that in the match preview that we did uh, for Brentford. So, in essence, this is how they play. This is what they do. It's going to be a very, very low block. They're going to be defending. They have the odd moment. They're quite direct. But if Villa control this game like I know we can, then we win this game. Might be difficult to break through them, but we've just got to persist with it. Don't get frustrated. Keep going. You know, even if it's nil-nil, come 70 minutes, stay patient. Keep going. The goal will come, so we can't get frustrated. We've just got to stick to our plan and keep going because they will look to defend and try and hit us on the break. But we'll talk about one player in particular because he played for us. Uh, is Cameron Archer. Um, I'm going to show you Cameron Archer's heat map so far this season. Um, Justin, what are your thoughts on Cameron Archer then? Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> A lot, lots was spoken about it in the summer when he when he left the club. A lot of people expected him to stay, and and sort of become the playoff. I expected him to probably stay. If I'm brutally honest, I thought we'd sign a striker, uh, a more experienced striker, than have him as like a third choice, and it, it would seem I get minutes off the bench. Uh, I think the reasons he left were, were were very valid. I think that that the FFP is always got to be a consideration, and the money we got for him. Um, and Philogene Bidace as well and a couple of the others has massively helped us to, to sort of make sure off-the-field stuff carries on ticking over as well as the on-field stuff. Uh, and it was his chance to go and play regularly week in, week out in the Premier League, wasn't it? And I, I don't want to be hard on him because I think he's a decent footballer. I think he's unfortunately picked the worst Premier League side to probably go and play for because of their form. You know, that... But by default, they just don't have the ball that much. They're under pressure a lot. He's having to feed off scraps. The quality of their players that you've just alluded to there, the way they, the style of play that they're having, which is backs against the wall, four, five, six at the back, trying to hold off, hit teams on the break, means that when they do break, they haven't got the quality to pick him out and to, to make the use of his runs. We know he's, he's good in behind. We know he's a very good finisher. So, so I would think not without looking too detailed at how many chances he's had he's probably been feeding off hardly anything all season so he scored what two goals they've both been good finishes what we'd expect off him has he done enough to convince me that he could come back to Villa and be a be a, a you know a player for us no not at the moment I think next season will be massive for him if they do drop down into the championship I think he would have to score a lot of goals next season, a lot, a lot of goals. You see how good Bidace has done at Hull. Uh, you know, every week he's, he's, you know, scoring and assisting, but it is a level below, isn't it? So I think at the moment, if I have to say, I'd say he's a top-end championship striker where he's played most of his career and he's done really well in the championship and he'd have a very good career down there, I think. I think he would score lots and lots of goals. Um, will he ever become a proper, you know, out-and-out Premier League goal scorer? I think the jury's still out on him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future in his career. But as it stands, I probably wouldn't have him back at Villa. And that's a lot down to where we are as well. Let's not forget that. You know, we are in the top four now, looking at even championship title charge and, and Champions League football next season. So the type of footballers we will be getting hopefully now are, are just elite. Well, that's where we've got to be shopping at. If we were down the bottom of the Premier League struggling, then you know he'd probably come back and, and do a job for us. But as it stands at the moment, we're looking probably well past where he is 
his current form would suggest he's at. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, I think it's t- probably tough for him because he's, you know, we we know where he does the damage. It's inside yeah. and in and around the eighteen yard box. And if you're not getting the ball to him, then he's not going to do that damage. You see, I, my one reservation with him for Villa was was his um, his game off the ball and it, and his yeah. game past the eighteen. What what does he do there? And 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 he's kind of looking like I was kind of right to have that reservation because I think you know I, I don't think he he does enough off the ball. I don't I, don't, I just don't see it. So I think yeah, give him the ball in the ATR box. I'd, I'd back him all day long, but uh, it's the other side to his game that I was unsure with. So we'll go then it's, to have a look at sorry, some of the... it's a, it, it is a shame that he didn't get a chance to have one more season at Villa. And, and you know, I think the money was too good to turn down for him. And a, a lot of eyes, eyebrows were raised when we did sell him, even for that amount, you know, because a lot of people that hoped that he could really achieve massive things. But I th- it, it would have been a part of me thinks it would have been nice for him to stay and just see what he could have done in this, in such a good side that we've got now. But it is what it is. We are where we are. Yeah, and, and I think you know we're in this predicament, aren't we? Where we can clearly see we need another striker. Yeah, but you can clearly see as well that if Cameron Archer was still at Villa, he wouldn't be playing. No. You know, he, you know. I look at Ollie Watkins, and I think I don't see anybody displacing Ollie Watkins. His work off the ball is he's probably one of the best in the Premier League. But now, if you look at Ollie Watkins, where he had the criticism you know, months or years ago where he'd have six or seven chances and score one. Now he's having one chance and scoring one. You know, what did he do on Sunday? He basically had one header and scored. And and that is the sign of a top, top striker. So any striker that comes into Villa will not dislodge Ollie Watkins. But then what I saw against Brentford, what was needed, and I was looking at the game thinking, we need we need a target man in here now. We need somebody to disrupt their back line. And we brought Duran on, and Duran started to do all of that stuff. And even though Duran probably he had one chance, one shot didn't he? But he, he probably might not have touched the ball. The work off the ball from Duran, what was that was what exactly was needed in that game. And, and and that's why we probably ended up getting the run, the win, because it's sometimes not what the players do with the ball. Sometimes it's players off the ball, dragging players, holding up, and players are go players are running off him. It's all of that type of stuff. And I think Duran offers that. And I don't think Archer does offer no. that. So I think at the minute, we, we're kind of all right with what we got. Yeah, I think Durant, Durant is, is, from what I've seen of him and for his age, what, 20 years, 19, 20 years of age, a more or less like for like for, 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 um, for Archer. I, I think we've probably stuck with the right one out of the two. If, if you offered me, if you offered me a straight player now, so who would you have in the side? You could have Archer or, or Durant. I probably would just about sneak with Durant because I do think he offers you that physicality. I think he's a good finisher as well. And I think mm. his, his potential ceiling. It's difficult in it because they're so young, both of them. I think Durant's ceiling is probably higher than Archer's, and mm. that's probably where they were in the summer when they signed him. Yeah, and Durant's currently getting capped for Colombia as well. So you know that that shows it's not just Villa that's, that see a high ceiling with him; it's actual national team, yeah. you know, of, of where he's from. So let's go into some of the stats then, and we'll try and 
you know, get a bit of a tail of the tape for Sheffield United as well. So this graphic that I've got on the screen now, sort of where you can see um, two, six, eight, those are uh, attacks. And then the next fight, the next number is open play attacks. So Villa have had 42 attacks through open play chances, whereas Sheffield United have had 13. Aston Villa have had 13, 39 direct attacks and Sheffield United have had 11. On this graphic now, this is the XG for goals conceded. So Aston Villa's XG for goals conceded is 17.41, but we've conceded 14. So it shows that we are sort of underscoring the goals that we should be conceding. So we should have conceded 17 on XG, but it's 14. Sheffield United is 28.42. So they're conceding 34. So they're conceding more than their XG shows. And then the next one that we've got is the XG of goals scored. So we've got uh, Villa's XG is 22.48 and we've scored 25. And Sheffield United's is um, an XG of uh, 8.75 and they have um, scored five. And this is open play goals. So this one shows goals that have been scored from open play. So Villas of 25 and Sheffield United's is at five. So, you know, it really does show where where teams are struggling. You know, if you, if you don't take your chances, you're not going to score. And if you leaky at the back you're going to concede so that's just the general tale of football but I just thought I'd show you this graphic because this shows like um where team teams are based on the xg so it's pretty much spot on for where Villa are really so um here we can have the um territorial advantages per team so the red is where the opposition have most of the ball <laughs> against Sheffield United <laughs> So, yeah, the blue is where they are most comfortable with the ball. So, <laughs> goal, goal kicks. And then the contested areas are inside and at the front of their 18-yard box, which would highlight to me that they are defending narrow. They're defending in a low block, like I showed you. They'll defend narrow with their four, which show that that's the space where they get the most sort of control of the game. But then out wide, there's always a threat out wide. So it shows to me that they are camped in that box. Um, and yeah, this is their territorial. Do you want to add anything on that, Justin? I think uh, a picture paints a thousand words mm -hmm. there, doesn't it? I mean, we, yeah, we know they are the worst away side in the Premier League this season. They've scored four goals in what, eight away games. They've got one point. And that, and that statistic shows everything you need to know. They basically just defend for their lives and hope for the best. That might be being overly harsh on them. I'm sure they have got a match plan and a way they're trying to play, but the quality of the players and the form they're in is just not allowing them to have any kind of hardly, well, non, no attacking threat really in the games. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, they've scored five goals from open play in 17 games. That means they've scored seven from set plays, which is probably where they're going to pray that they get something on, on Friday night, a corner or a free kick thrown into the box. But open play, I mean, we know what we're all about, the way we dominate the ball and where we push forward and, and, and try and pick pick teams apart. I, I just see it being a, a, 
basically a training ground exercise on Friday night, defence versus attack, and that statistic and that graphic there just shows exactly that. We're going to be camped in that white area, I think, for 80 90% of the game, and it's just a matter of whether we can break them down. And to be honest, it was a good game for us to have against Brentford the game before this because that's mm-hmm. that's how a lot of teams are going to play against us, I think. They're going to sit with four, five, six, you know, along that sort of 18-yard line. And then we're going to have to just see if we can open them up. And, and, and Sheffield United are probably going to be very much similar play to that. So I think that will then dictate into the team we pick, which we'll go on to, I know, in a minute, uh, to try and open them up. Yeah. Patience is key. Yeah. So here we have the um, style of their team. So you can see that they are in the direct section, fast and direct. Villa are still in the slow and intricate section. This is how they lined up against Chelsea. And then you can see their average positions against Chelsea, pretty, pretty dominant. We have their passing network against Chelsea, which very scrappy, very not a lot going on, lack of depth, lack of width, lack of focal point. Uh, we've really got to press them, press them high, win that ball back higher up the pitch um, and just, yeah, just swamp them. And then this was Chelsea's passing network against them. So, you know, that's a great passing network, to be fair, compared to what Sheffield United are going with. We've got the game against Chelsea, the expected threat. So you can see massive spikes for Chelsea. Um, and then Chelsea attacks predominantly down the right-hand side and through the middle. You've got the shot map from Chelsea as well, peppering the goal from all angles. Tail of the uh, Villa Park, Villa Sheffield United fixtures. 10 Premier League games, six wins to Villa, two to Sheffield United. They haven't beat us at Villa Park. We've got four home wins and two away wins. Uh, and this season, we're currently um, scoring 2.2 goals per game. They're scoring 0.7, which is less than one a game. And they're conceding on average 2.5 per game. And we're conceding 1.2. I would like this little graphic here for Villa to go below that one mark, I think. I think that's going to be my next little challenge for the next sort of going into next season. I would like us to get into that conceding less than one a game because that would tell me that we're keeping clean sheets a little bit more often. So that's just one thing that I would like to highlight. And then this is the last couple of meetings with the 1-0 win for them, 1-0 for us, 0-0. Uh, and then this is the current form of both teams. That's remarkable from Villa. I mean, look at that. That's that's class from Villa. So, yeah, I mean, they've had some big losses. The Burnley one, five 0 at Burnley. That's a that's a bad loss in it. Um, so, you know, we got, if we can replicate anything like that. And then this is Villa's. Uh, just thought I'd put that in there. So. You know, the opposition are building out from the back. Contested areas are in the grey. And then Villa's build up from the back as well. So you can see where we get most of our joy. Central midfield building up from the back. And there we go. So, Justin, I am going to let you have full control of the predicted lineup. So, remember, we've got a caveat that Kamara is out. Tielemans, we're not sure. Hopefully he's back um, and everyone else is fine. We've got two left backs to choose from. 
Moreno and Luke Dean. How luxurious is that now? So pick your Aston Villa 11 for Sheffield United. Uh, I think we go back to Conser, um, Pau, Conser right back. Sorry. I think yeah. he goes back and get right back. I think Pau and Carlos center halves. Yeah. I think Luca Dean slots back in at left back. Yeah. Well, what numbers Luca Dean these days? 20, 20. Oh, there he's. I've still got him as 12, 12, but is he 12? I don't think he's 12, is he? I don't know. Can't think off the top of my head. Um, then I'm, obviously, Douglas Louise comes back in. Yeah. Uh, in the holding. I, I'm i going to put John McGinn in. Mm-hmm. I fully agree with I that. I am going to hope that Yuri Tillemans is back. I think it was yeah. only a mild knock. He did say it was touch and go. So I think he was left out for that game. I think he'll be back for this game. So I think Tillemans comes in. You can put him either side. I think probably the left-hand side. Maybe slot him in where McGinn sits. And then I'm going... Home game, top of the league. Yeah, I, I know, I know what you go, I know what you're going with. Can I try and guess? Can I try and guess what you're going with? Go on. Can I try and guess? Right, I'm saying you're going to go full, full attack mode, and you're going to bring in where's our Bailey? I think you're going full attack mode, and you're going with Bailey in there as well. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. Uh, I, yeah, we've been I, I doing this too long this. now. Yeah, if I if Tielemans isn't ready, then Ramsey will play. I think, but yeah. McGinn in that double pivot. I think what we'll see is McGinn will do that Kamara screen in there, and I, I kind of like McGinn. Like I, I like McGinn in there anyway. Like yeah. I, I like his hustling in his bustle. I like him. I like him in a competitive midfield. I know he can drop in there. I know he can ping balls into anybody that's needed and he can get in and around there anyway. So I like him there. I think I think the reality of the, of the way we play and the way they're going to play it and the amount of possession we're going to have will probably mean that we'll probably only have one, one holding midfielder. I think Louise will just sit in, in front. Mm. You probably just sit in front of Carlos, if I'm honest. And I think Pau Torres will almost <laughs> step up and play in the, yeah. uh, the second sort of six role. Um, and then McGinn and Tiedemans will just be running in behind Watkins, Diaby and Bailey, who will expect to just basically take up the whole of that front line and, and, and just interchange and, and run at them. And it's no disrespect to Ramsey or Matty Cash. I think both of them are, are just not in... Ramsey's as for Ramsey, uh, Ramsey's more because he's just come back from from an injury, so he's still finding his way back, you know, into the team. And I think he's better served currently off the bench with little cameos. Hopefully, we're going to be one, two, three in the up, so we can come off the bench and have no, you know, no pressure on him. Matty Cash was played out of position on, on, on the weekend because we he had to because of the way that the, the squad was sort of sat set up. Um, and I think he it's looking like he's really liking this way of going now. And I wasn't a massive fan of concert right back, but I think over the last two or three games, the more they play that way, mm-hmm. the more comfortable we look, don't we? And and we're gonna need to open them up. So let's put the front three up. I think Diaby has struggled a little bit recently for form. So it'd be nice to see him playing with Bailey and that link up hopefully getting a bit stronger. Ollie Watkins 
you know, will be looking to score a bag full, I think, on Friday and get himself mm-hmm. up that scoring chart and hopefully just in behind Haaland. Uh, if he's missing for a few more games, he could even match him and go ahead of him. So I see a lot of goals. I see sort of 70, 80, maybe even higher than that possession for Villa and, and mm-hmm. book it loads of chances. And if we score an early one, I think it could be um, with with the feeling and with the atmosphere that's going into the game and what's at stake if we win. I think it could be a real heavy scoreline. I do. Yeah, I agree. Interestingly, Watkins is now on nine Premier League goals this season. He's getting twenty. He's getting twenty. I mean, we're virtually halfway through, and he'll hopefully be on 10 by the end of or even more it could be on I don't know what it could be on after Friday but you know if he's on more than 10 come Jan 1st then he's getting 20 100% so yeah big game you know and it's a challenge it's going to test the minerals it's going to it's going to send a statement out there um, and I hope it really does because there's still a few people sleeping on Villa. Um, I'm watching a lot of people saying that this and that and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, when you look at us top of that table, it's going to be hard not to start taking us serious. So really looking forward to the game. We've got opposition preview, which will be out tomorrow. And then we'll have fan cams after the game as well. So fan cams debrief. We will then have a United match preview, which will be out on Christmas Eve. And then we've got summer on Christmas Day for you. I'm not telling you what it is. And then we've got the Boxing Day game. So content still going to be there. You're all smashing it. Uh, also, go back. And if you haven't watched it, check out the Chris Wokes episode with Justin. Absolutely fantastic. Great to get Chris Wokes on our channel. Uh, really nice guy. Absolutely loves the villa. Hope the villa. School prediction, actually. We haven't done these for a while. Um, let's not bother. Let's not bother because, yeah, let's just not bother. Um, I think you know what oh, mine really just did. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, up, up the villa. 